You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mike check, one, two, three. How the hell are you guys? Hopefully everybody's uh, doing pretty well. I'm sitting here in my office. It's uh, Thursday. And I'm looking out the window, and it, it for the past three days, it's just been raining off and on. It's supposed to be the same tomorrow, which is Friday. And I don't know. It's just been t- kind of gloomy. I am ready. Don't don't tell too many people I, I, I said this, but I am kind of looking forward to turkey hunting this year. Um, typically, I don't get too fired up about it. It's fun to do. But something kind of sank in to me well, this week, I think it was with all this gloomy weather and just kind of was like, Hey, like a turkey whispered in my ears, like you're going to enjoy turkey hunting this year. And I started thinking about it and I, I did start thinking about how much fun I have. I, you know, I might be taking my daughter out of school for a day to, to do some turkey hunting with me. And I don't know. I just have just been thinking about it more so I actually might do a turkey hunting episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles in you know in the next handful of weeks probably early April is when I'll record it and and launch it but I will talk a little bit about uh, turkey hunting I don't know how much I actually have to offer in uh, as far as turkey hunting is concerned but um, I'll pull somebody on who knows a thing or two about turkey hunting and, and will BS for a little bit and that way I can check off the box that says turkey hunting content for the year and then i can just wait until next year to talk about talk about turkey hunting again so that's what we got uh, coming up um huge announcement and i i know you guys already know this but if you're listening to this somewhere around noon central time on march 25th that would be friday right if you're one of the first very few to listen to this there's a chance that i will be on an operating table getting a vasectomy (laughs) okay i would say it without laughing getting a vasectomy so i i hope you are thinking about me 
while you're listening to this. And I've already had a lot of listeners reach out to me and say, hey, man, don't worry about it. It's not too bad. It's the best thing you'll ever do, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I'm I'm actually pretty excited that someone's going to be doing a procedure on my genitals <laughs> to stop me from having children. So, and that's probably a good thing. You know, three of me is enough in this world. And I, but I did have one guy reach out to me and he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, just, what happens if your wife leaves you and you marry again and marry a younger woman and, and she, and she wants more kids. Well, tough shit, right? I, I am done reproducing. And, uh, so, you know, there's, there's benefits to having a vasectomy. And, uh, I think I've, I think you guys know what they are. So wish me luck. Send some good vibes out for me. Um, I heard the recovery process is fairly quick, and I should be back to normal in a you know a handful of days. But uh, if not, I'm gonna sit down in front of my uh, new TV in my man cave, and I'm gonna watch uh, I'm gonna watch some YouTube hunting videos for all day on probably Saturday and Sunday, and just kind of be a bum for the rest of the. Uh, rest of the weekend and use that as an excuse to do nothing around the house or in the yard or or anything at all so that's that's what i am uh, looking forward to as far as this episode is concerned it's been a while since i've had my buddy bob polanik on he's from michigan and he hunts michigan iowa minnesota and it sounds like missouri and so basically what we do on this episode is kind of I don't know. It's like it's it's this weird time when we're almost done with shed season. And I know there's some guys out there who would argue that, but we're getting pretty close to green up. So when I when I look at this, I when I look at the whitetail calendar, I look at the whitetail calendar kind of. The summer is the new year for whitetails as they start to grow. Right. So this time of year, the antlers have fallen off. So we have we start to wrap around into the next year and so we're in this weird spot where we're still talking about last year we're talking about trail camera data we're talking about postseason scouting but then we're also wrapping around into the new year where we're talking about hunting plans we're talking about hunting strategy of all the information that we've gathered through from the previous year and so it's just a good old-fashioned bs session where we talk a lot about what our plans for uh the the 2022 hunting season uh, is going to be like and uh, what we took away from 2021 and all those things. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty pumped about this upcoming, this upcoming season, man, if all things hold true and, and they, they're going in the direction that I hope they go in. Now, nothing is promised. Dude, I, I could be hunting. I could be doing more hunting than I've ever done before. And at the same time, um, hunting some deer that could be of the I don't what do you call those like monarch status like just really big deer so we'll see what uh what happens and you know I will share all of that information on this episode or on uh, not this episode but on uh, on this podcast as the summer goes on and, and things like that so huge shout out do me a favor if you get the opportunity and you've listened to a lot of the nine finger chronicles podcast do me a favor go leave a five-star review on itunes or wherever you download your uh 
your your podcast. I would really appreciate that. That helps get the word out about uh, you know what I'm doing over here. And if you like it, I know others will like it. And so spread the word. All right. Now, what do I want to talk about? I want to do some commercials. And before you fast forward 10 seconds or whatever, just listen. Just hear me out and listen to this because this is how I pay my bills. The more that I can give these companies, the more exposure I can give these companies. Um, But I really do use these products and I rely on them, right? So if, for example, uh, let's see what am I going to do here today. I'm going to do HuntStand, Wasp, and Ozonics. So I'm just going to use Wasp for an example. If a Wasp broadhead didn't open and I lost a deer because of it, man, I, I would be pissed. But I have yet for that to happen. So I'm very confident in in the equipment that I use. And, you know, like, man, uh, I just love working with these products and I rely on them to be successful. And for me, this podcast just does pay the bills. But my passion of hunting these animals and trying to get one on the ground kind of in a way outweighs that. So if there's a product that just doesn't work, I can't force myself to say nice things about it if I don't believe in that stuff myself. So I believe in these products is what I'm getting at. So let's go with Wasp Archery. Uh, Another year, uh, 2022, they decided to continue their partnership with me. And I just want to say huge shout out to Wasp because they, a majority of their products are made in America. They use the best material and they have a selection for everybody. And the people who work there are not only participants, but they care about the outcome of the customer. So you add all that up and you have one hell of a company. So if you are looking for a new broadhead for this upcoming year, please go check out wasparchery.com, mechanical and fixed blade options, and then enter the disc. I'm going to get a new discount code. I have a feeling here in the next couple weeks, but the discount code is for 20% off. The number nine, followed by the word fingers, 2021, and uh, the new discount code I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get shorter. But So the current discount code for 20% off is 9fingers2021. Uh, next, we have HuntStand. Man, just data collection. I, I, I repeat this all the time, but it's very important. The data collection helps you put yourself closer to whether it's a target deer or just deer in general. So if you are looking to create a journal of information about the properties that you hunt, where deer are, where sign is, where your tree stands are, where your trail cameras are, boundaries, up-to-date satellite imagery, man, I could literally go on and on and on and talk about the benefits of hunt stand and digital mapping Uh, but you need to go to huntstand.com read all that information for yourself and then for 30 bucks i think it's like 29.99 or something like that you can get a full year of their premium package and it is one of the most functional uh, digital mapping um, hunting apps on the market and that's why it's the most popular I'm, I'm pretty sure they are the biggest and the most affordable and they have the most robust function so go check out huntstand.com discount code for 20% off SN20 SN20 for 20% off and lastly Ozonics man Ozone is where it's at Ozone is where it's at and for me every time I go into the timber uh it matters to me so i want a flawless uh entry and exit i want a flawless sit and one way and and it's hard to get flawless 
when you're trying to beat a whitetail. So everything that I do revolves around access and it revolves around scent and thermals and wind direction and things like that. So when the wind's starting to get shifty on an aggressive wind set, then what you can do is you have your, you have your uh, ozonics in the tree with you. And it really what it does is it softens the corners of that, of that scent profile for you and they can come right into it. They'll get curious or they just don't even look at all or they'll catch the scent. And this is how I use it. I set it up to where the deer that I, the, the deer that are coming through the area may walk through a shooting lane. There is a chance that they catch something, but Ozonics allows me to distort that profile, that scent profile and get away with it. They move through the area without blowing and then when a shooter does come through, then I have an opportunity. And so that's why I love Ozonics and that's why I love um, using it in and out of the stands. You know, there's times where I feel invisible uh, walking into the woods and setting up in a, in a stand because I know that that O3 is working uh, like it's supposed to do. So OzonicsHunting.com. And if you want to get a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of their units, NFC21. It's NFC21. So what else we got? That's it. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, join, comment, communicate with each other, communicate with me, ask me questions. I would love to hear from you. And uh, guys, good vibes in, good vibes out. Enjoy the episode. Three, two, one. Mr. Bob Palanik, how the hell are you? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Good to... uh... Good to be on. Good I've to uh, talk I've, to you. I've it's missed your voice, man. It's been, it's been a minute, man. I don't know the last time we did one of these, but uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute and a half. So let's see here. Uh, I still have nine fingers, just c- kind of catching you up in my life. I still have nine ki- fingers. I still have three kids. But on Friday of this week, I'm going in for the vasectomy. Are you really? Yep, I'm getting the snip, my friend. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's like congrats or I don't know what that, I don't know. No, it's a congratulations. I, there's a lot of guys out there when I made the announcement on social, a lot of guys out there have been like, dude, congratulations, man. You know, that's a big step. Like I've, I've produced my children, my offspring. I've, I've helped to give back to the natural world there. And there was only one guy who uh, replied back to me and he's like, dude, are you sure that's a good idea? What happens if your wife leaves you and you need to make more kids with another lady? I'm just like, dude, I don't need, I don't need any more kids with another lady. Like right. it, it, it's, right. it's over after, after Friday. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of excited. Well, you got some good basketball coming your way. Yeah. Basketball. Um, or, I don't watch basketball, so <laughs> you don't you don't watch any March Madness. Uh, I, I'll probably watch the final four games and then the championship, and that's it. Iowa, yeah, I mean, got beat, go so they're yep. they're out. Most Michigan Wolverines are still playing, though. Are you, you so you're a Wolverines fan over state? Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. My yeah, my wife, uh, she's a Michigan State alumni, but um, I was I was raised a Michigan fan and yeah, I don't, you know, Michigan state's done, done my household no wrong as far as uh, my wife getting a degree from there. But uh, as far as athletics goes, I, uh, I definitely root for Michigan and gotcha. uh, yeah, 
Five years in a row, Sweet 16. Pretty pretty pumped about that. Who are they playing next? Uh, Villanova. Ooh. Yeah. Tough yeah. tough draw. So good yeah. good luck on that. They're good yeah, no this doubt. year. No doubt. So so what else has been happening in your world? Like anything exciting? Uh, like uh, you bought a monster truck or anything like that? <laughs> I did buy a new. I did buy a new vehicle. I don't know that it classifies as a monster truck, but uh, it's a it's a new Tahoe. It is big. It, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's it definitely uh, does the job. But um, no, other than that, man, just working and it's winter and you know winter's kind of ending here now. But uh, went to Mexico. I don't know a month ago or so for vacation. Did some fishing. Did some hanging out on a beach. Just my my wife and I and. Other than that, man, just yeah, work and life and nothing, nothing too crazy. Getting over a cold right now. Yeah, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's no, cool. No vasectomy. No vasectomy coming. My way. That's no. good. Not yet, anyway. Mm-mm. Okay. No, sir. Okay. Well, um, after Friday, if for some reason you do have any questions about a vasectomy, just call me up. And I'll, You're I'll, my first call. Yeah, I'll walk you through the process and see, you know, I'll, I'll be able to uh, talk to you about it at that point. I appreciate that. Yep. It's good to know. Yep. Uh, and by the way, when not not saying that my wife follows you or your wife on on uh, social, but when my wife scrolls through her through her social and she sees her f- friends during spring break taking their family to the beach uh, she gets, uh, I don't, what's that called? Like fear of missing out, but, or there's FOMO, there's FOMO. animosity as well. Yeah. There's, so, so yeah, it's like, jealousy. why don't we ever do something fun like this? Like, so I have to deal with that kind of shit in my life and where, where she's like, why don't we ever go to the beach? Why don't we ever do these things? And, and, and I have to remind her, it's just like, well, we went, you know, like we went to, uh, uh we went to wine country in Napa Valley, we went to wine country in, you know, all these things that we've already done. Uh, you know, we went to the Wisconsin Dells with the family. So, uh, <laughs> tell, her, tell her to get off social media. Yeah, that dude, I would love that. And I'll be honest, me too. Uh, I would love to get off social media. 100% honesty. It, uh, it's, you know, it's got its positives, mm-hmm. but, um, it's weird what it can do to your mental state, especially, in the middle of winter yeah. uh when you're not doing anything and i don't know it's just a highlight reel yeah so exactly um, i don't know keeping that in check um dude i've actually thought about the obsession that that deer hunters have 24 7 365 now because of social media like yeah. do you really think the average bow hunter thought about whitetails year round at 10 years ago yeah. as much as they do today but it's now it's someone's always shed hunting someone's always posting something new products are always coming out so now it's like hunting is just a year-round in our face yeah deal because of social media where i don't know used to get a break from it and not think about it and whatever yeah so back in the day let's see instagram i spend more time on instagram than facebook facebook is like boring and whatever it's just like my friends from high school sharing pictures of their kids that's what yeah. that's what facebook is uh, yeah. uh and so like for me even when uh i got my first 
Oh man, I can't even remember. It must have been like six or 2006 or 2007 when I got my first Facebook account when I joined Facebook. Um, and I don't know why I, I would say the only reason I joined Facebook was for, uh, because, uh, of a girl I was, she's like, you should get on, you should get on Facebook. And I got on Facebook and then that was, that was, you know, that was how it was back then. And, and I didn't, but before I got on Facebook, I still obsessed over deer hunting, probably the same amount that I do now. Did you? Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, it's not in my face all the time, but yeah. it's still, I was, I was still thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Mine ramped up in about 2011, 2012. I mean, started reading books and, but I mean, also the books that I started to read were, I, they were someone had them on social media and talked about whatever whitetail deer habitat books. And I started reading them and then that's kind of how that, I mean, that, those books, um, I want to say it was like ground a gun with like Craig and Neil Dofferty, Doherty. Okay. But uh, there's some Jeff Sturgis books too, but those kind of enlightened me about how, you know, the full cycle of it. And then, yeah. yeah and then, like I said, it's in your face all the time. Have you ever so, went back and re- read any of those books that you originally read and how the strategy today compares to uh, what it was, let's say, 20 years ago when the books were written? I have not. I really should. I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them right now. And uh, I'm pro- there's probably nothing in there about saddle hunting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My bro- my stepbrother... He was cleaning out an old man's garage. This was, man, a couple years ago. And he's cleaning out this garage. He finds two boxes full of outdoor life and field and stream hunting magazines from, I want to say, the 80s, uh, 70s or 80s, you know, because those magazines have been around for a long time. It was one of those publications. And he, and he, so he starts reading in the magazines. And there's really no mention of camouflage really at that point uh, people are still wearing just like their work clothes to go out and hunt and uh the tactics are even way different than what they are and so what what he kind of noticed was as he's reading through these you know from the from the 70s through the 2000s and to all these things the content shifts oh kind of away from the animal towards how a product or products, they start to mix that in with the strategy where, where it's like, dude, you got to be wearing camo. Cause if you're not wearing camo, you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're never going to shoot another deer like that, that kind of switch and, and it's product heavy. And, and then it kind of goes away a little bit and then it comes back and then you have all this new technology and, and then like how compound bows have been introduced and, and things like that kind of stuff. It, it's oh, yeah. been it's 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 very interesting to see how the writing style has changed or ha- had changed throughout the the time, and so I don't know. I found that I found that pretty interesting. That is interesting. I'm actually these books were on my nightstand still uh, with a lot of dust on them. Yeah. But uh, one is a mature buck success by design, and the other one is grow them right, and those are definitely very like habitat focused. Yeah. Um, they're not so much strategy. I mean, it's strategy, right? It's 
designed, it's laying out your property so you can strategically shoot a buck. Yeah. But, uh, I feel like nowadays there's so much focus on that, the mobile, the mobile hunter and you don't need to have food plots and this and that to, yeah. to strategically kill buck. Yeah. So. I mean, I would say that that, that part of it is because of who we decide to follow on Instagram, right? Like I probably, I follow more people on social media who fit my, you know, who I relate more to. And that's the mobile guy who doesn't own property. Now, if I own property, I'd probably be following, you know, guys like, uh, I don't know who, who are some of the top like habitat guys out there. Probably like the Drury's. I mean, yeah. they're always doing stuff. Jeff Sturgis. Yeah, Sturgis. Yeah, Sturgis. Yeah. Drury's. Guys who, they're not mobile. They're they're setting up their properties for hunting. Oh, dude, uh, all the Midwest whitetail guys. Yeah. That's yeah. like their whole basis on YouTube is all about all the habitat work they do, food plots, all that type of stuff. So. Yep. So I don't follow really anybody like that. Or if I do follow them, it's not like I'm not really consuming any of their content. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I feel like there's, there's probably more guys out there. If I had to guess, this is just a guess. I, I bet there's more guys out there who are planting food plots and, and actually have access to do some type of habitat management than there are people out there who are just like running gun public land mobile hunters. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know. There's, it's just, there's such a big swing to that mobile hunter public land. I mean, yeah. public land has gotten so popular and you got the hunting public, you got whitetail yeah. adrenaline, everything they do. Like there's, it's gotten pretty darn popular. But, so, but you have to think about this. There's way more private ground east of the Mississippi where a majority of the whitetail hunting takes place that then there is, uh, you know, public ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very, yeah. Very valid point. So whatever, um, you recently have done some, I guess, what do you want to call it? Postseason scouting, postseason work. Like it was supposed to be a shed hunting trip until none of the bucks had, dropped their antlers so it became a <laughs> it became a uh walk around the woods and move tree stands and set up cell cameras so i don't have to go back out to the midwest till my hunt yeah type of deal it was one of those types of trips right so you hit what you hit iowa and you hit uh your nebraska property yeah we did nebraska iowa and then uh, missouri in missouri okay so is missouri new for you uh, are you it, it is it is my buddy that i've hunted in nebraska and iowa with for the last four or five six years he uh he picked up uh he got permission on a missouri property from a, a customer of his um and uh it's i don't know that it's like 150 acre property and there's maybe 20 acres of uh of actual you know timber and the rest is ag yeah and it's super thick and uh they just definitely <laughs> they, he left cameras out and they definitely cruise back and forth just right through the heart of that little 20 acre piece all rot long i mean yeah. it was non it was well, we checked cameras there it was very evident that there i mean it was 
there's I've never seen so many daylight photos of mature bucks. Really? So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Found pretty a cool. found a pocket. It sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Honey hole. Yeah. So all right. So the the goal was to shed hunt, but yep. So the reason that I wanted to bring you on today is because I have a very similar story uh, to what you kind of had on some of the farms where I left my I left my cameras out pretty much all winter two a couple cameras out all winter long and I I used some of that data to see what was kind of moving but it sounds to me like I want you to correct me if I'm wrong but it sounds to me like your trail cameras that you pulled this past weekend or whenever you were over there had a lot of information for you on them yeah it was about two weeks ago that we were out there it's actually it was bitterly cold when we went you know it's been warm in the midwest for you know better than me but it's been warm all winter long 60 50s 60s even 70s and then the weekend we go it's like high of 30 every day and windy but that's doesn't really matter it's just me venting (laughs) um (laughs) excuse me um but yeah we so when we left whether it be nebraska iowa or my buddy left missouri um normally i've got some cell cams out there but i would just take cell cams down and put regular cameras up because i still have i don't know about you but i still have way more regular cameras than cell cameras and you know you you rewind the clock three years ago and like that's all we actually used to use is regular cameras because cell cameras are too expensive but um and i didn't want to leave cell cameras out over the winter just because i know like it can get super cold i don't think that's exactly the best for them and i wasn't going to do much with that information but yeah regular camera the batteries just last way longer also it's free right it's not (laughs) you buy it once and i mean batteries but you don't have to pay for a data package or anything but yeah we uh we started checking cards and it was like well first of all what we found was the rut between oh like the 10th and 20th there was just a ton more daylight activity than there was from like the 1st to the 10th of yeah. November and yeah. then um and the, and that's typically typically they're they're pretty even from what i've seen from what i've observed yeah there's plenty there's about equal daylight movement um that whole first two weeks but i don't know if it's because you know where i was in nebraska and iowa the corn was in super late yep um i don't know if that kind of had a factor into it it was we hunted primarily the first 10 days in november out there and it was pretty lackluster rut and we had success but we had encounters but it was it was pretty slow going compared to previous years um but yeah then we just found we just found that a lot of mature bucks, um, A, survived, and B, still were holding their antlers. Yeah. So kind of like, well, we're not going to find those. So, I mean, we were getting photos of deer just a couple of days before we got there still holding. Yeah. So. That, and that's crazy because I've, I've only found two fresh this year sheds this year, and I've uh, now, granted, I don't go out and shed hunt as much as I used to. I'd love to, but uh, I just don't have the time for it anymore with kids and work. But one thing that I've noticed is, and I, I almost don't want to say it because I like it this way. I like it when all the other hunters go out and blow their their load on November 1st. 
because yep. there's something about a calendar that we just can't get over. And when people think November 1st, they automatically think the rut. And the buck that I shot this year, I don't think he was rutting. I think he, like, I shot him on the 4th of November. And I feel like the farm that I was at, uh, that I was on, was still in a pre-rut type uh, activity where the deer were... They weren't chasing does. They were maybe scent checking them. They, they were checking does for sure, but they weren't necessarily going crazy, especially the buck that I shot. He lay, he was laying sign. He was kind of, I felt like he was letting everybody know that this was his territory. I snort wheezed him in and shot him. And typically for what I've seen over the years is just exactly what you said, that the motion and the movement of the rut doesn't isn't really heavy until and this is on the farms that I hunt from the 10th to the 20th or like the eight days after the 10th or 20 10 days after the 10th right all the way up maybe even to Thanksgiving and so that's when I get the most daylight pictures of mature bucks and that first to the 10th I feel is like a pre-rut type Sometimes there's, there's been years where the rut has kicked off a little bit earlier, in my opinion, to that, that seventh, eighth. But like, if I miss the first three days in November, I don't want to, I want to be hunting, but if I miss those, I'm not going to be worried about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you. And, uh, there's times, I mean, I get, uh, I get kind of hung up because where I live in Michigan, it's probably about three hours north of you know, typically anywhere out there in Iowa, Nebraska that I'm hunting, you know, if you just went by, I don't know, what is that latitude, longitude, I forget which one's which, but, um, so I do feel like here in Michigan, the rut starts to kick off definitely like October 25th to, you know, November 3rd, 4th, it seems much more ruddy here. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, it seems like a lockdown happens like November 5th ish to the 10th. And everyone's always ranting and raving about, you know, November 6th, 7th and 8th. And like historically in Michigan, those have just been like the worst days for me. Yeah. So same here, same here. Um, I've even, I've either killed deer before that time frame or after that time frame. Now don't get me wrong. I've, I've killed, I've killed a handful of bucks in that sixth, seventh and eighth time frame. But right. the last deer I shot in that time frame. I shot him straight luck off the ground, walking to my tree stand. Right, I, straight, I he, that, was, yeah. he was raking a tree, and I, I, and I just so happened to be in the right place in the right time, and I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. So, he ended up uh, dying because of pure luck. But so I'm not going to claim any type of strategy there, except for he was making sign, and you would think that a mature buck like that would be on a doe. If it, if there was a doe available to breed, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, obviously the does control the rut and just different pockets of does go into, um, you know, go to breed at different times. And so I just feel like, uh, I feel like people need to know their doe groups better on the properties that they hunt. And then that'll tell you whether or not you should be out be out hunting especially on small properties 
right? Where you have, every time you go in, you have a bigger impact uh, on as far as pressure is concerned. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, definitely agree. So you would say that if you if you played your cards right, you could hunt you could hunt a good portion of time in uh, in Michigan, let's say. And if if all the cards were right and you drew all the tags, then you could go have like basically three three weeks of rut fun from Michigan to uh, Minnesota or excuse me to Nebraska, and then if you drew depending on when you draw your Iowa tags, if all that lined up, you could probably hunch three straight weeks in a row and, and just have a great rut. That that's the goal, man. That is the goal. Um, don't know if it's going to happen that, that, you know, that Iowa tag, um, just, you never know if you're going to draw it or not, but we did, uh, we did already book a cabin in the area that we hunt. And, uh, we originally had it. There's just not a lot of lodging options where we're at. And we were, we originally had it booked for, oh, November 4th to the 14th. And then after all the trail camera photos we saw, and then I kind of went back because I've been hunting Iowa since 2018 off and on. I think I've been out there the last two years in a row because my wife drew last year. So I was out there last year. Um, I've taken all that data over 2018 2020 and 2021 just realized yeah we need to move those dates back so we actually switched our reservation to november 10th to the 20th yeah and uh gonna kind of stick with that and then yeah if we don't draw i've got plenty of time to cancel the the cabin reservation but um the other problem is uh nebraska and missouri their their gun opener is on november 12th right so kind of playing that whole it's like well might as well no matter what, hunt those that first part of November. And then if you do dry Iowa can uh, bounce over there. And it's nice that Iowa does not start their gun season until December. Right. This is, this is the problem that I have, right? So I, I can have a really good year. I can have a really good hunt on a, on a, a decent farm where I am very used to. Sometimes that, that hunt can take me like this year took me like four days other times it takes me 14 days so i don't like i'm i have this internal debate going on and you can fill me in because you you travel a lot too i want to hunt states that are close to iowa so i can fit more hunting in like missouri potentially illinois wisconsin maybe even minnesota you know from where i live in iowa it's a four out three and a half four hour drive to uh nebraska um, which i might be going there anyway in september for a hunt but i can still use my tag you know it's a statewide tag if i want to go shoot whitetails but what i'm getting at is a lot of those states have like a mid-november rifle season and i don't like i don't want to go to those states i don't want to miss something in iowa to go rush something in a different state to beat their, you know what I mean? Like beat their rifle opener. Uh, and because once the rifle season's over, you know, I don't, some states you can't even, you can't even bow hunt while they're, you know, while their rifle season's in, in. So I always have this internal debate, like, what should I do? Do I go pre-rut to some of these states? Do I, uh, you know, not go West for a hunt some year? Like, I don't know. Uh, Cause I, I want to go hunt. Here's a couple states that I want to go hunt. I want to hunt Illinois because it's close, Wisconsin because it's close, Missouri because it's close. I can get to all those states 
within man certain parts of Illinois I can I can be to the Mississippi River in 40 minutes 45 minutes from where I live now gotcha. so it's a little bit further for Missouri and Wisconsin but it's still like under three hours to to get to certain you know those two definitely those two spots and with uh nebraska is further but i'm just trying to I, I have this internal debate so how do you make your decisions knowing that you know gun season opens up i mean even in michigan gun season opens up when november 15th okay so you're fighting in november 15th in nebraska michigan and i think even missouri has a mid-november hunt doesn't it yeah, Nebraska and Missouri this year are both November 12th. I, think, well, I want to say it's just simply the second Saturday of of November. Right. I don't know if that's exactly how they they choose it, but November 12th is a Saturday. Um, and then Michigan is always November 15th. I truthfully don't really bother too much with the Michigan gun opener. Um, there's just so much pressure, and it's just it's just the, it's the Orange Army and I don't know. It's I don't have a lot of good spots. I would rather just keep bow hunting the Midwest too during yeah. that time. Like November fifteenth, November twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth to twenty. I mean, that's just some awesome rut action. Yeah, and uh, it gets watered the, down with all that pressure. Yeah, 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 yep. So and it's easy, you know, in Michigan because it's November fifteenth every year. It's very, it's a big tradition. I mean. The further north you go in Michigan, the higher the odds are that schools are closed on November 15th, businesses are closed on November 15th, very tradition rich. Yeah. So where I'm getting at with that is like, it's super easy for me to just not be at work already. Yeah. And because like my boss is going to be sitting in a tree or whatever. So, um, yeah, I can just stay out in the Midwest and prolong it depending on how November 15th falls within the week and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I always emphasize bow hunting as much as possible before a state's yeah. gun opener, just because I think it really changes their patterns and their alertness once uh, once the lead starts flying. Yeah. All right, so I'm I'm in this boat too. Okay, so I've been going to uh, South Dakota uh, and Nebraska a couple times now, learning some new pieces of property, uh, learning, you know, trying to trying to find a location, stick to it and learn it to try to find success. Right. I found a little success in South Dakota this year, got really close in uh, Nebraska this year, but I, I learned something every time I go, what have you learned about the farm specifically? Let's just say your Nebraska farm, uh, because I feel like you've been going to Nebraska for how many years since 18 every year since 18. Uh, 2016, 2016. So every year since 2016, that's what six years now, how many, what have you learned in that time frame from an out of state hunt on this piece of property? What are the deer doing? Like, what, because I feel like a lot of people, the reason I'm asking this question is because I feel like a lot of people go on one out of state trip looking for success and when you go into a fresh piece of property that maybe you've just e-scouted, it becomes it, like they, they get excited, but then the expectate, like their expectations don't meet the reality of what's about to happen to them. Yeah. Um, that Nebraska farm specifically, um, I have learned and I learned the hard way this year, uh, 
don't bother hunting that till November, just November. It's like, there's not, I've gone out there in late October and hunted like, call it like the 27th till like November 3rd and something like that. And it's just those last couple of days of October out there. I don't know what the deal is. I've had one year where like the pre-rut activity was just awesome. Yeah. And I think of that, I think that has really stuck in my head and has, has factored into my decision about going out there in late October, opposed to just waiting till like November 3rd or 4th and going out there. But it's just such a rut property, like no deer winter on it, no deer summer on it. Um, I run cameras 20, you know, year round and like, it's kind of pointless because <laughs> nothing really shows up till the rut. Um, if they do show up in October, it's usually at night, like yeah. middle of the night. So, you know, that they're not living anywhere nearby, but like, no, basically once November one, two, three comes around. Yeah. You get, you either, if you're there hunting, you either have an encounters or if you're not there hunting, you're, you know, you're getting pictures of daylight shooters yeah. just all the time. So I went out there, I took my buddy out there, uh, last year, um, October 25th to the 30th and kind of with that hope of like some pre-rod activity, you know, um, I mean, it's a good time to be, to be hunting anywhere really. And, uh, yeah, man, with the, the corn was all in. We found out that all the f- farmers had a record bean yield. And so I had all the crops delayed from coming out. And uh, I don't really I don't really blame corn being in for lack of deer sightings ever, but I think it definitely affected things this year. Yeah. Um and yeah, one, we left we left a hunt early. We we pulled we we bailed out I think it was the 30th or 31st. We hunted the morning and then we left and we were supposed to hunt that night and then leave. And that night, like once you know it, like every cell cam that I left out there, every single <laughs> buck that we knew about showed up. Blows up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, the main thing that I learned for that is, um, A, just uh, go there in November. And uh, I don't care if it's November 1st or 3rd or 5th or whatever. Um, and the other thing is like, just they'll show up, be patient. Cause we didn't see a lot of deer, the, those last five days of October. And once all the corn came down and it was like November 10th, I mean, I was, I was back out there. Um, my wife had shot her buck in Iowa, like it's the 10th or 11th. So I got a couple extra days to hunt in Nebraska and, um, it was like that 12, 13th, 14th time period. And there was, I saw plenty of deer. And the biggest thing that changed was the corn started coming out. Yeah. So the deer are there. A lot of farmers were also talking about EHD and a lot of deer were dead. And like, I remember even talking to farmers being like, you guys are claiming that a, a bunch of deer are dead because you're cutting, you're cutting crops, but you're not seeing deer. I was like, if all the deer are dead, won't you be seeing dead deer? Yeah. And they kind of just looked at me and I'm like, are you seeing dead deer? And they're like, no i'm like so then why do you think all the deer are dead just because you're not running out of the corn when you're cutting it yeah so no it's like that's at a bar talking to locals just trying to get a feel for what's going on in the area yeah um if i so. if i had if i had a dollar for every time i talked to a local rancher or hunter in nebraska out west you know like west you know western nebraska where I was out there mule deer hunting yeah. You would you would think there would there was 
5,000 mountain lions just roaming the land, <laughs> killing everything. Like I heard, yeah. I heard mountain lion. It's like, oh, mountain lions are, they're, they're just decimating everything. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's an increased number, but man, they, that was the excuse that everybody had of why the hunting was not as good as it was in previous years because of mountain lions. Now, talking to some ranchers and you see, you know, Hey, here's a trail camera picture of one. Okay. That's one. That's one. Uh, so, uh, you know, listen, listening, listening to that, but I don't know, man, I, I, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to put together a game plan to where I, I'm, I'm still searching for the ultimate pattern or the ultimate schedule to where I can go to do my mule deer hunt, come back, maybe hunt Iowa a little bit, hunt some pre-rut somewhere, hunt some, you know, hunt during the rut, you know, and then before the, before the actual hunt itself or before the actual rut itself kicks in on my farm, go to a different state and then come back when the, the uh, gun openers come out, come in uh, some of these states, then I can come back to Iowa to a, I don't know, less pressured farm per se in that 10th through the 15th time frame. And it may just be one of these things. And until I figure that out, cause I, I'm so invested in Iowa, right? Because I live here, but because right. I can typically tell you by November 1st or the first time I go check cameras in uh, on, on those farms in November, I can tell you what deer, what, what deer are still sticking around that hit list and what deer I'm going to go after. But then something happens, you know, like who knows what's happened, happens the 10th and after, because that's when the actual rut, like the breeding and the rut is the heavy ruts taking place, deer, you know, redistribute all that stuff. So yep. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I might just have to tell myself, dude, you might just have to eat a tag to figure this out. And then you can start getting patterns and say, okay, well now it's, now I can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you got Nebraska and Missouri. They're over the counter. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, Iowa for you is over the counter and rather cheap. Yep. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you got, you got tons of options. I, I mean, the other big thing I learned about Iowa, we went, so we did go to Iowa earlier that first week of November last year, like the fourth to the 14th or something like that. Um, and I will say that like that fourth through the 10th, there was a lot more, I hunt all private ground by permission and buddies that were out there were hunting public land, uh, buddies that split a cabin with us were hunting public land and they, uh, they ran into, I mean, seven, eight, nine, ten trucks at a trail, at a, at a parking lot for public ground. I mean, if they put a camera up, it was every day, you know, public land hunters walking in front of them. I mean, the, the hunting pressure was extremely high. And when typically when I've gone out there more that, I think I've gone out the eighth to the 18th and the 12th to the 22nd, um, on previous years. And, uh, we don't see, I mean, even we drive by some public, but we don't see anyone there. Um, the private ground, we don't, we don't ever bump into anyone and like, you know, I, I just think that there's less people hunting or less people taking their vacation. Oh yeah. 
um, oh yeah, that middle, that middle of November. Yeah. Before I was like, when I first started my cubicle desk, I only had like a handful of days I could go a year. Like I, I think I got two weeks of total vacation right off the bat. And one of those weeks was for hunting. The other one was for family and sick kids and, and things like that. And so I was always taking November, like the first full week of November off. And, and then as I started gaining more time, you know, I worked there for just under 10 years. Uh, I think it was after seven years or something like that. Then the number, I, I eventually had five weeks of vacation is what I'm getting at. And so I could, then I started taking a Western trip. Then I started taking two weeks for the rut off. But what I'm getting at is I, that's, that is when I learned that everybody goes crazy. November, the first full week of November in Iowa. And then after that, everybody goes back to work, especially if, you know, and then everybody just hunts kind of the weekends or after work type crowd. And so that's when I realized like, hey, man, there's a whole other avenue here that people are missing out on. And that's when that's why I say, you know, like just because it's November doesn't mean it's the rut, right? It can still be that pre-rut, you know, food to bed to food pattern. They'll check some does. And but when the does aren't in, if that, that pocket of does isn't in, man, they're not in. You can't you can't do anything about that. Right. So. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still looking for that, that perfect scenario, that schedule where I can hit pockets. And then sometimes, so my uncle lives in Kansas. All right. And he always says, cause he's hunted Iowa. Now he hunts Kansas. He's just like, from his experience, the further South you go and, and Kansas might be an oddity because it's another really great state for big deer. But, and they also, but they do have a, a gun season as well. So they actually, um, he actually says that in Kansas, it's the rut is still later. So it's almost like that everybody thinks Iowa is first, second week. Kansas is like second, third, maybe even into the fourth week of gotcha. closer to, you know, right in front of that, that Thanksgiving. So, yeah, um, yep. and that's when he's killed most of his deer is during that, you know, the third, I think the, the third week in November it, out there. So in, during, gotcha. the, I guess that rut. So I don't know. I, I'm, and I'm even thinking about Oklahoma. I'm thinking about, you know, I, it would be awesome if I could be that guy who just hits them all, but right. <laughs> my wife would be completely angry with me. I mean, Hey honey, I'm going next four weeks. Just plan on me not being here. <laughs> yeah. You know what she'd say to me? She'd be like, you will be replaced by the time I get home. <laughs> uh let your kids get older and then you'll have hunting buddies and you'll yeah. just you'll just take them and yeah. take them out of school for three weeks and <laughs> get a real education right exactly you know i've been thinking about that like what did i actually take like i'm a bad example because i was kind of a piece of shit in high school and <laughs> college Same. but Same. but what did i actually learn that i other than you know because there, there comes a point where Right now, my kids are in learning mode. They're learning how to read. They're learning how to do math. They're learning how to, you know, all these things that are actually the foundation of education. But then you start to get into the high school where you already know how to read. Um, It's more like expanding thought process at that point than it is, I don't know, like, because you can only learn how to read until a certain point 
and then it becomes just I don't know uh, literature. This, you becomes, know what I, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it becomes Shakespeare and yeah, it right. Becomes things that becomes more deeper. Yep. Yeah, things that I don't even really care about and that have. I've done nothing of that since I did it the first time. So I feel like I could give my kids a better real life experience if I'd said, okay, hey, for the next week, you're coming out with dad and we're going to sleep in my truck and we're going to cook meals and we're going to go chase deer and we're going to use our brain to strategize and, you know, like teach them, teach them things not to be afraid of. Right. And it's like, I want you to sit here by yourself. Dad's going to go on this stock and you're going to have to, you're going to have to tell me what the deer does or whatever. And, and, you know, I, I cause I don't know about you, but I, I feel like a, a six year old, if I left him on a ridge somewhere and said, Hey, I'll be back in an hour. You'd probably get freaked out. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, six might be a bit, a yeah. bit early, yeah, but you're probably right. eight, nine, eight, eight, nine, ten. Uh, and just, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, me personally, it's great. I think that's kind of what uh, that next generation is going to kind of miss out on. You yeah, know? that's a fact. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of young kids get a lot of entertainment one way or another. And I remember being a kid, and I've asked my parents, like, we were thrown in a playpen, and yeah, we didn't we didn't have someone entertaining us all the time. We entertained ourselves. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Mine was yeah, go outside. You're not going to yeah. make a mess of this house. Go outside. Oh, that's enough TV for today. Go outside. And we would just yep. be outside. From, like I can remember uh, being my mom on a Saturday. She would be cleaning the house and we'd have our chores to do. But then after that, she's like, go outside. And we would be outside all day long, come inside, grab lunch or eat dinner, and then go right back outside. And we were outside all day long. My kids, I don't feel like my kids do that. And I think it's because of it's and it's and it's one hundred percent me and my wife's fault. But it's because they have TV and they have devices that they can play. Oh, yeah. I mean, they still use their imagination and play with blocks and toys and Legos and things like that. But and and maybe I maybe I'm thinking that way because I'm just coming off the you know the the doom and gloom of winter. But they've been playing outside a lot more now that the, you know, springtime, you know, it's starting to get warmer. But I just need to, I just need to force them outside and just be like, get outside. I'll tell you when it's lunchtime. Yeah. To your point about getting them uh, involved in hunting at that younger age. I mean, dude, I can only imagine how much better I would actually be at hunting if someone introduced it to me at 10. I didn't get introduced to hunting until 18. And then even then, you know, it wasn't like I had, it was just buddies and I was, did a lot of figuring out on my own, which I mean, just took even longer, but yeah. I was listening to uh, Jared Scheffler on a, on a podcast and he was talking about his dad being a tracker and showing him the ways to track animals back when he was like seven, eight years old before he could even hunt. Yeah. And he was, he was contributing that to the majority of his success Yeah, because he just, he was wired to think that way at a young age and it just, it just grew from there. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I would say do it, leave, leave your six year old on a ridge. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Hey, I, you stay at base camp today and I'll be gone. I'll be, I'll be back in eight hours. Here's some, right. here's some jerky. 
Right. The uh, but that would one thing that I don't want to happen though, and this is what I think about all the time, is I don't want to pressure my kids into. I I want them to. I'm going to offer them the opportunity, but I'm not going to force it on them because. I had some things forced upon me that kind of drove me away from something that I actually really did love uh, when I was younger. And I don't want that to happen with hunting because I I really would love to take my kids out all the time and go, okay, all right, guys, it's time to go check trail cameras, time to do this. And then they say, I don't really want to. Um, And there's sometimes I say, okay, like uh, what did did we do earlier in this winter? We uh, dropped – drop some corn in front of a trail camera so I could get some pics of some deer. And, and so they didn't want to do it at first, but when, when they got out there, I gave my boy and daughter, this big knife. I said, all right, your guys's job is to cut the bags open and then I'll dump the corn out. And so they, they'd stab the bag of corn, drag it across. and, And then I would dump, dump the corn out. And so they started to enjoy that little piece of it. And then we, I talked to them a little bit about what the deer are doing and things like that. But I don't know, like, I, I just, I have this fear that if I push them too much at an early age, then they they may just go a completely different direction. Yeah, I I, uh, I know, I don't have kids, but yeah. I hear your concern. You want them to come across it, uh, you know, willingly, naturally. Um, you're not alone. I got a bunch of buddies that have kids, and uh, they say the same exact thing. Like, I hope they just want to do it on their own, and... I don't want to force it upon them. And I think for a lot of kids, depending on how, depending on how, um, you know, we're all into different things at different points in our life, but you know, the kids get to that 14 to 18 or 20 time frame. you know, there's different things. I mean, there's either girls or boys they're going to be looking at. Yeah. Not, uh, not bucks and does. Yeah. So yeah. There's just that. Sports, social, stru- you know, social Sports, things at yeah. school, all that stuff. High yeah. School, Friday night lights. Yep. Yep. yep exactly. So, so, and the way I look at it is this, as much as I, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to offer these opportunities to them, but I would rather have my, I would rather go, I mean, I would rather go hunting with my kid anytime that they want to go. And I'm going to do that. But I would I would rather go all the time with them later than I would all the time with them right now, if that makes sense. So if they're not ready oh, to yeah. do it right now. Don't force it. I'm not going to force it with yeah. the hopes that maybe even after high school or after college or whatever they decide to do, then they're like, dude, let's go. And then yep. – then you have a hunting buddy, like a real hunting buddy, someone who can participate, someone who you can talk strategy with, someone where you're just like, "Listen, dude, um, I'm gonna go set the dad. I'm gonna go set this ridge tonight. Saw the deer working up here, and then they go and do it, and then they see that they have success, and then that for me would just be like, at that point, I don't care if I kill another deer. Like, I, I, obviously, I want to, but at that point, it just becomes like you're you're just connected. You're deeply connected at that point. Yep. So. Yep. I hear you. I have, uh, like, again, I don't have kids, but I got, I introduced my wife into hunting. Oh, six years ago. And yeah, watching her, watching her evolve and, and, uh, get better at it. And, um, I mean, yeah, she shot, uh, she went to Iowa one time and she, she filled her tag, which is I've gone there twice and haven't been able to do it. Of course, I was holding out for, you know, 
200 inches. A little inches. higher. Yeah, right, 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 right. So I just kept looking behind trees for 200 <laughs> inches, and they weren't <laughs> They weren't they there weren't for some reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, she shot a nice buck, uh, I don't know, solid 120 class, three-year-old. And, yeah. uh, dude, it's actually, I'll, I'll tell this story real quick. It's pretty crazy. So I was, I was hunting with her because I've, over the years, gotten permission on all these private farms, so... And they're big tracks of land. They're all 200 to 500 acres. And you don't exactly. I mean, everything's a three-quarter of a mile walk in the dark and stuff like that. I'm like, she's going to need my help. And I honestly, if I'm in a tree in Iowa during the rut, uh, I mean, yeah. Would I like to have a tag in my bow? Absolutely. But um, sitting with someone is second best. So yeah. um, so anyway, we're, we're in a tree together. She's, you know, we're, we're facing opposite directions. Buck comes in at me he's on a doe and uh, i got her attention i mean we saw this thing from like 100 yards away and he ends up coming right at me so i'm i'm facing this buck he's coming right at me and she's facing the opposite direction but she's spun around in her tree stand and this buck comes directly underneath me and i'm videoing it and i've got my camera on my camera arm pointed straight down at this thing and i see him start to look up and i was like shit and i had no idea but she had drawn her bow back and as he's looking up she she sends it it actually went through his ear spined him and double lunged him and just like thunder punched him to the ground he let out this big growl he like scampered for like 20 yards ran directly into a giant tree and like died within 30 seconds. And it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a film. killer I, moment. Like, oh, Holy shit. shit. What did you just do? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was literally, it was like, it was honestly like right at my feet, like just, you know, yeah. 15 feet below me. I jumped when she shot. Cause again, I wasn't even expecting, I thought there was no way she could pull off that shot, but there's a, there's an actual, we're, you know, we're looking at the deer, get down or whatever and i'm looking at its ear and i'm like did someone miss this thing and hit it in the ear and then i started looking at it and i was like no way i was like you shot it through the ear plus you double lung and spined it and i was like no shit nice so yeah it was solid nice it was solid well you created a yep. killer oh yeah yeah she's she's got no mercy so but this is the point of the show where i talk down to you for uh allowing her to take a non-broadside shot just to let you know oh yeah yeah the, so i'm talking down to you now saying hey you gotta wait for those broadside you gotta wait for those broadside shots every single time i don't know i mean I i'm joking to... bob no, i shot I my you... i shot my deer in the chest this year and he did, did this you... yeah he did the same thing I, I smoked him like right above the heart in between all that connective tissue where the lungs and the heart all kind of come together. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I drilled him and he took, he went pop, pop, died like hop, hop, died. Did you, did you shoot him from a tree stand? Yes. From the ground, from, from the tree, tree stand, stand, but he was on the high side of the hill. Okay. So, okay. um, his head was up as he's walking towards me and I had a, just this perfect shot. And I, dude, I smoked him at like 10 yards and, nice. and he did it. It's, it's one of those things where, yeah, I probably could have potentially waited, but I had him on a trail, but then he took a hard 90 right to my stand. And, uh, I don't know, like I'm not, so, I'm not the guy who waits for the 100% best shot. Like 
this may sound bad, but I guess I'm a little bit more of have a killer mentality than like, I'm not going to shoot a deer in the ass. I'm not going to shoot a deer, you know, if, if the vitals are covered, but if I have a really, if, if I feel confident in a shot, especially that close, dude, I'm going to take it. One of the, uh, yeah, man. One of the first things I've, uh, I was taught was take the first lethal shot you get, you have an opportunity to take. Yeah. And so. that's another thing that people, uh, or that my, uh, stepbrother was telling me that in some of these magazines, they're, te- they're telling people to shoot at the neck of deer. Huh. Like if you have a gun, right? You know, if you if okay. you have the opportunity at a neck shot, here's why the jugular vein, the, you know, the airway. And like, once all those things get pierced, they're all over. And so right. that's how, right. that's how uh, my stepdad was raised. He's like, dude, when we could, we'd shoot deer right in the neck. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've never, yeah. I've never aimed for the neck before. Uh, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. I've, uh, I've slid one in between, it was quartering at me, slid one in between the neck and the shoulder. Um, and since then I, I actually went through a phase where I had to consciously tell myself to be a more aggressive shooter, yeah. like at animals. Cause I was, I was that guy that kind of, kind of waited. And, uh, I started talking to more and more people about it and, um, a lot of guys would be like, yeah, a couple twigs in my way. Like I'll send it. Like, yeah. they're like I got a 70 pound bow. Like, yeah, it's going to make it through. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like you're not worried about some sort of deflection. And they're like, are your broadhead opening up? And like, well, first of all, run a fixed blade. Yeah. Second of all, like just, yeah, shoot a heavier arrow and higher poundage. And if you can do that, freaking send it. Yeah. And, uh, it's definitely a different mentality and it definitely, you know, you, I don't know. It's definitely been a struggle for me. Yep. But to, here to we are. To do that. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Well, Bob, man, I I, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to talk about uh, whatever we talked about. Uh, thanks. All, all things whitetails. Yeah, all things whitetails. I mean, th- I was I was thinking about getting into the weeds and some of the strategy, but I think the conversation flowed really well today. Absolutely. It's just. Uh, I honestly just felt like a couple buddies catching up. I there mean, the, uh, we had some technical difficulties at the beginning, and this turned into a phone call, and I really feel like I've just been shooting the shit with a buddy on the phone. There you so, go. There you go. Now you now you got to get back to work. Pretty much. Yep, i got a real good meeting coming up at 1 today that I'm really excited about. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I sense some sarcasm in your voice. <laughs> It's not going to go well. No, big, big boss got called in and I'm not looking forward to it. So yeah, yeah. One of those. All right. Well, good luck, bud. Hopefully you still have a job by the end of the day. Oh yeah. That's, it's nothing to worry about with that. It's just, we got a client that's not too happy with some things that happen. So yeah. Yep. That's the life. That's the it life. The life. All right, the man. Life. Well, Hey, you have a good rest of your day and, uh, man, good luck this uh, upcoming season. Yeah, man, you do the same and uh, stay in touch. And there we have it. Huge shout out to Bob, man. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Huge shout out to all of you. Really, and I say this a lot, man. I not only enjoy going out and doing all this hunting stuff myself, but one thing that really gets me fired up is when you guys message me a picture of a deer or you guys 
message me a picture, something that's more relatable. Uh, a guy recently messaged me. He's like, dude, I found his sheds, this target buck. I got so much information of where I found this sheds. He's on a different spot. I'm going to be able to, you know, triangulate his position, blah, 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 in hopes of trying to get him uh, this upcoming year. So that gets me fired up. So please continue to reach out to me. Talk to me about your success. More than likely, I'm going to ask you to come on the podcast and share your information and share your story. And on top of that, man, I just love um, meeting the people who are making really all of this possible. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, man, like I said in the intro, good vibes in, good vibes out. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.